out some time, we kind of blocked off some time in this uh, service to, uh, to praise God. This is, this is a worship service, uh, and that worship, that praise that we offer to Him takes uh, various shapes and forms. Hearing about the missions trip with our youth is just so encouraging to me. I mean, I was blown away by the, the testimonies, what was shared. I'm just very, very much encouraged by them. And so uh, what we want to do is, you'll see on the screen there is a picture of a very cute kid. That is uh, one of my sons. That's Nathan, who's 15 years old. And I want to give thanks to the Lord. I want to I give a, a testimony here, just because so many of you are involved in this, uh, what's gone on over the summer with him. And, you know, we, I love testimonies here. You get the baptism testimonies. You get uh, testimonies on the Thanksgiving Eve service where people can just kind of say, hey, this, this is what God has done in my life, and I'm so grateful, and I just want to share it. And that's really what we're doing here today. So we're giving him all the praise and honor, but it's also kind of informative because, like I said, so many of you are, are walking with us and have walked with us through, throughout all of, all of that's happened, and I'll, I'll share that. So uh, back in the uh, beginning of June, uh, we had made arrangements to have uh, Nathan undergo brain surgery for his epilepsy. Uh, ever since he was two weeks old, he had seizures. If you've ever seen anybody have a seizure, it's terrifying. It just absolutely is. Uh, I, can't, I couldn't watch a stranger have one. Like my wife will do research online, go to YouTube, watch families chronicling their, their struggle with a child with epilepsy, and she'll watch that stuff. I, she's tougher than I am. She's a nurse, and I can't, I can't even deal with it, uh, let alone my own boy. And so... We've been dealing with that for, for 15 years. Nathan has an older uh, son, uh, Anthony, older, sorry, older brother, thank you, older uh, brother, Anthony, and so it's my wife, Tara, Anthony, and Nathan, and it's just been a real uh, challenge that, is, that we have faced for a decade and a half, basically. Various trips to hospitals, sometimes in a rush to get to ERs at midnight, you know, running to Hershey ER because we can't get the seizures to stop. Uh, we've tried countless medications, some better than others, various diets, the ketogenic diet, which is a very strict and hard to manage diet to put a lot of stress upon him and our family. Uh, CBD oil, you know, the cannabidiol, the medical marijuana stuff, we did that. Uh, we, he has an implant here by his collarbone. Uh, it's called a vagus nerve stimulator. All in attempt to, to halt the seizures, to slow them down or to stop them. Well, none of them provided an ultimate answer, so we chose to get... Uh, I, I called it a second opinion the first service. It's like the seventh or eighth opinion to go out to CHOP, uh, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, to consider brain surgery. We did this during COVID. Uh, right as the pandemic hit, we were doing all the work up to see if he was a candidate for surgery. Uh, you know, they don't just jump into that kind of stuff. You want to make sure that this is exactly what he needs. So, you know, I don't know. We've made dozens upon dozens of drives uh, out to Philly. I'll be heading there as soon as I leave this service uh, to relieve my wife who's, who's uh, with Nate right now. So, 
basically, uh, we at the beginning of June, uh, Pastor Mike said, hey, uh, we're going to need to send an email out to the congregation letting them know you're going to be gone for a bit, and, and this is a major life-altering thing that's happening to, to you and your, you know, your family, really, to Nate, but it's affecting all of us. And I, I was like, eh, you know, I, I prefer we don't do that. And, and, and he corrected me, rightly so. He, he showed me the error of my ways. I'm certainly not above correction, and I took that. He said, Mike, listen. He says, are we a church family or not? You know, you, you say that, I say that, we all say that. Is that just lip service? Are we going to let people in and let them know what's going on? And, uh, you know, he made a good argument. Uh, he can do that. He said, you know, you wouldn't tell your mom two months after a brain surgery, yeah, we took your grandson under the knife and had brain surgery back in June, but, uh, you know, he's doing okay now. Like, that would be hurtful, offensive, wrong to do her like that. So, so we uh, notified you guys uh, back in June, and people have been praying throughout the summer, uh, supporting us in all sorts of ways. Well, today, what, September 5th, uh, I can report to you that since June 15th, the date of the surgery, he hasn't had a single seizure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not even that. I mean, sometimes it didn't manifest into a seizure. It'd just be a lot of head pain. All of it gone. All of it gone. And I, and I just want to make sure that we understand that when we clap and, and we give the praise ultimately to God, Yes, there's neurosurgeons involved, and the people at CHOP are highly skilled, and they're great, and we love them to death. But God uses means, and he has used the folks there, uh, the, the neurosurgeon, the whole team. But this is an opportunity to give praise to God uh, in a very tangible way. You know, so we wanted to do that. And, you know, I, I thought about a way to kind of get you involved in this, because I frankly don't like the spotlight on me quite literally. These things are just blistering kids, right? I mean, you, you get up here, it's a very different scene, right? You got a mic in front of you and like, eh, I'm still not used to it. But, you know, uh, basically do this. I'm going to give you some homework, okay? This is a family worship service. Hopefully we got family in here, whoever's here with you. Whatever, do this later today, maybe at lunch, maybe during the week, devotion time. Take a single hand, five fingers, right? Four fingers and a thumb. I guess the thumb is a finger. Basically, right? Is it? Is the thumb? Digits. digits. All right, five digits. All right. And count on each digit uh, the things in your life, the five most things, the, the things that you're most grateful for in your life. We can do this if we're young. We could be 10 years old and do this. We could be 110 and do this. And, and then just praise God for those things. Just keep it positive. We all have positive and negative in our life. Just, just five greatest things that have happened in your life. I'll share mine very briefly. It's very simple. They're clear cut. I'm positive that these are, I'm pretty sure I'm not omitting anything. I'll give them to you chronologically. One, I got married. Back in 92, I met my future wife, the only girl I ever asked out on a date. I married her, and we're still together today. So God gave me a bride. Okay, yeah, clap, sure, what the hey, right? I found somebody that will actually marry me. That was great. We had kids together. That's number two, right? All right, yeah, praising God today. I love the involvement. I'm going to need to keep the interaction going for later, too. Number three, God saved my sorry behind, okay? I, I deserve nothing from him, 
but he has been kind to me. He has uh, provided a sacrifice for my sins in Jesus Christ. When I leave this planet, I know I'm going to heaven. Not because I'm a good guy, but because I'm a bad guy who's been saved by a very good God. Okay? So that's where we're at. Number three, then he put me in ministry. I get to stand up and do this kind of stuff. Like, great, you know? And you can be in ministry as a teacher, as a truck driver, don't get me wrong, but this is like ministry proper, you know, wear a living water shirt, open up the word of God, like, don't deserve that. And number five, it's this surgery. It ranks right up there. Yeah. It, it ranks right up there with those life-altering things, getting married, having kids, getting saved, all of that. That's how big this has been. So we wanted to block off some time to thank you all. I, I mean, people uh, have sent us cards, notes of encouragement, gift cards. I got my wallet is busting with gift cards. I just need to tell you. Like, I can't remember the last time I paid cash. You know, last weekend, so after the service, somebody comes up, shakes my hand, and I look in my hand, there's two 20s in it. I'm like, and they run off. I can't even give it back, you know? I guess it was a good sermon. I, I don't know. No, I'm just playing. I'm just joking. No, they know we're, we're, we're getting killed with the PA Turnpike. I mean, we're driving out there. I mean, the, 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 we're funding the next project they do from Harrisburg to Philly. We are paying plenty, okay? But I'll share this last thing because this is really neat. A couple days ago, we realized we don't have a hand railing at home for our pretty steep stairs to get up, Nate up to his bedroom. Uh, there's a railing on the left going up, but there's just wall on the right. So we're like, we need a, we need a handrail. And so, you know, I'm like, honey, you pick out the handrail. I don't care what it looks like as long as it does the job. She cares about that stuff. So you pick it out. I said, I'll find somebody uh, to help me install it. You know, and I don't go to the yellow pages because I'm part of Living Water Community Church. And there's a lot of young people in here. See, the yellow pages were these a uh, book, like yellow and white pages. They threw them on your lawn. You keep them in your kitchen, like Google in book form, okay? I don't do that. I go to Living Water Community Church. I thought of about 10 people that are more handy than I. And I was like, I'm going to reach out to them. First guy I called, I said, hey, and this guy's present in the room. I won't drop his name, but he is here. And I, I, I called him up and I said, hey, man, you're real good with, you know, handy stuff. I need to put a railing in. My wife's going to pick one out. Will you help me put it in? He goes, yeah, man, of course. I'd love to do that. And he goes, I'll do you one better. He goes, I got a handrail at home that I'm not using. And I'll take a picture of it, send it to you. You can send it to your wife and, and see if it's to her liking. Now, I was like, the first person I contact says, yes, I'll help you put it up. And he's got a handrail. I mean, not like on the wall, just laying a 12-foot handrail in his home. How many of y'all got a handrail just laying around in your basement? <laughs> the one guy in this room does. That's who the Lord directed me to. He's installing it tomorrow morning. My wife loves it. Like, I mean, the guy won't take any money. I mean, just, I tell you. God is so good. So I wanted to offer that praise to him and thank you guys. So let's pray. We'll get to the word of God. Lord, you are amazing. Lord, I just come and just praising you, thanking you for the great work you've done in Nate's life, using Dr. Kennedy and Dr. Fung and all the folks out there uh, at CHOP that I'm so grateful for, all the nurses and aides, the people who care for us, and create an environment that, that we can... Um, 
tolerate really for months on end, uh, the entire summer basically spent in a hospital room. Uh, Lord, you have sustained us through your people, through the responding to their prayers. I thank you for the prayer warriors in this room, people who send cards to our door, uh, packs of stuff that's always in my office when I show up in town. Just I'm so grateful for this church family. Lord, I just praise you for them. Lord, help us now as we turn to your word and uh, we... Uh, we, we look at kind of an obscure, kind of hard-to-handle text. I uh, pray that you'd be with us. Help me to articulate it well, uh, just faithfully, but with passion. And uh, give us ears to hear and uh, open hearts to receive that which you have for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so doing things a little bit differently, technologically, that is, um, I'm glad this is working. Didn't work first service. Maybe I didn't talk as nearly as long at the 9 a.m. It froze up on me. So that picture right there, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, is where I've been since mid-June. And I think it's fair to say that of all the adults in the room here today, I've watched more kids' TV shows than you have. All right, I think I got the title. Give me the belt. All right, I think I got it. All right, and my favorite out of all of them is Blue's Clues. We're going to play some Blue's Clues here today, and to do so, I need your interaction, okay? I need you to be involved, so when I ask a question, it's not just for, for show that I'm going to answer it. I really want you to be able to talk back, okay? That was a test, and y'all failed miserably. <laughs> I'm going to ask a question. I want some involvement. You'll give it to me, right? Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. All right, to get us warmed up, Blue's Clues. If you're familiar with the show, the show has had three hosts, okay? Who was the first host of Blue's Clues? Say his name. Steve. Steve. That's the guy right there. Steve, the OG, the first host of Blue's Clues. Who replaced Steve? Joe. First service, they didn't get it. I had to give them that. We had like 200 people in here. Nobody knew that. Joe not getting the love today, man. I don't know what's up. I like Joe. I, I'm partial to Steve. I like I, the original, right? Steve. Steve's the man. So now you got re to really be in the Blues Clues to know the third and current host. Anybody know his name? Who said it? Raise your hand if you said that. Did you know that yourself, or did, did mom, did you get that whispered in your ear? You knew it? Amazing. There's a picture of Josh. Very good. Give her a hand. That's impressive. So you must watch the show, so I'm going to need your help, all right? So today, I will be the fourth host of Blues Clues. We're going to play some Blues Clues today, and if you're not familiar with it, I'll tell you how to play, okay? Blue is a dog, all right, Blue is a dog who has a question that you as the viewer and Steve, Joe, Josh, me, whomever, tries to get the answer to by utilizing Blue's clues. All right, the paw print, Blue gives a clue that'll help you figure out the question to, or the answer to her question. Okay, Blue is a female, all right? So here is, for today, the question that Blue is asking. What word does Blue want us to be thinking of as we read our Bible story? So, I have the three clues right here. Now, if you watch the show, 
It's like a picture, and it's a paw print. Well, last night we were outside. We weren't lugging a projector and a screen out there, so I had to give verbal hints. So I thought, let's just keep it going for Sunday morning. So we'll keep going with this. The first clue, all right, of the game is this. It's a first, this is the first hint to give us the first clue. It's people. These people can either be male or female. The female version has genes named after her, and the male version has jokes named after him. Who are these people? Who are these people? It's my Seinfeld impression. Yeah, people, this might be the hardest one because people struggled last night and first service, but somebody will get it. Somebody know you just don't want to tell me. Who said it? Parents. Did you get it, Carol? Parents. There they are. First clue. Parents. All right. What word does, does Blue want us to, talk, to think about during our Bible lesson? First clue, parents. Second clue. Here we go. Get our thinking caps on. These people have a room that they like to lounge around in. These people aren't afraid to correct you when you're wrong. And lastly, this will probably give it away. Typically, these people don't have to work during the summer. Who are these people? Teachers. teachers. Yeah, see, that one's much easier. There it is. So we have parents and teachers. Last clue. These people can do their job on a horse, in a car, or by walking. I need to pause for a second. There was a little girl who got this right after that first. She got the right answer. So, all right, hold on. Shh, don't give it away. Yeah. I'm not giving you the credit. I went overboard. I was like praising her. I'm like, that was amazing. She got it. You, yeah, hold on. Let me get the other. These, blue, these people like to wear the color blue. And if you want to become one of these people, you need to go to an academy where they make some really bad movies from the 80s. These people are... Police officers. Yeah, so they got easier from the first one. All right, so if you've watched the show, we have our three clues. We have the question, what's the word we need to be thinking about? We have our three clues. What do we need now? Somebody said it. Say it louder. The thinking chair. We got to go to our thinking chair. And I didn't bring up any chair, so we're going to stand here and think. What are the, the question? What word does Blue want us to be thinking of as we read our Bible story? The first clue was parents. Second clue, teachers. Third clue, police officers. Now, I want the exact word. There's a lot of people in here, a lot of smart people in here. Somebody's going to give it to me. Authority. You guys are good. You guys are very good. Authority is the word that Blue wants us to consider as we dive into our Bibles. All right. We just figured out Blue's clues. We just figured out Blue's clues. Because we're really smart, right? All right. I've watched a fair amount of Blue's clues. You may not know what the word authority means. You may have heard it. Ah, how do you define it? Let me give you a kid-friendly definition. A person or group of people who have a certain amount of power or control. So, a couple things about authority. We are all under authority. Kids, you are under a lot of authority. The older you get, maybe the authorities, you know, lessen. But early on, you got parents, 
you get when you're in school, it's the teachers. We all fall under the, the authority of the police officers, the civil government. I'm under that authority for sure when I'm driving my car and red and blue lights appear behind me. Woo, woo, woo. I can't just say, I got a place to be. How dare you stop me? I'm on my way somewhere quite fast uh, to get there. Uh, no, I have to submit to their authority, pull over. So we are all under authority. I'm under authority here at the church. We have a group of, of men called the Elder Board. I submit to them. You know, they say, Mike, jump. I say, how high? And that's, that's what I, I gladly submit to these godly men. But God is the ultimate authority. So even if you're the most powerful person on the planet, you're, we are all under the authority of God because he's the only one with all power and all control. So we are concluding our short series here that began on Memorial Day weekend. Then it was the second installment was Fourth of July weekend. Now Labor Day weekend, Bad Kids of the Bible. I've titled this One Prophet, Two bears and the bad kids of Bethel. And we're in 2 Kings. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to take it out. We will have the verses on the screen, but it's always helpful to have a, the scriptures in front of you. We're going to go line by line, so you're going to want to see it. 2 Kings, Old Testament, it comes after 1 Kings. Okay. So 2 Kings, I'll let you get there. Again, I keep saying it's a story. It is a true story. It's told as such about a prophet, two bears, and a bunch of bad kids. When you're ready, please stand if you're able as we hear from God. All right. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 through 25 from the ESV. Word of God says, he, that is Elisha the prophet, went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. And he turned around, and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore forty-two of the boys." From there, he went on to Mount Carmel, and from there, he returned to Samaria. Thank you. You may have a seat. Now, I imagine in this room, we have a mixture of people. Some people are familiar with that passage. You've read it. You're like, oh, yeah, I think I remember that. It's very short, very quick, tucked there at the end of 2 Kings chapter 2. But for some of us, you might be like, That's, that was in the Bible? Really? I, I didn't know. So I think when, we, when you look at a text like this, I think there's an issue. And the issue is this. Many will say, this is just wrong. If you weren't tracking with me, basically there's this guy on the road. His name's Elisha. He's walking and he's approached by, text says, some small boys. And they jeer, they mock, ridicule him. And they say, go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. He cursed them in the name of the Lord. Two bears come out of the woods, and as the Bible says, tore 42 of the boys. Not exactly a pleasant scene. But many will say, this is just wrong. Some dude can't take the fact that a few fun-loving little kids poke fun at his bald head. Therefore, he curses at them, and then God sends out two bears 
who kill these little children by ripping them to pieces. Now, I wrote that, but what I did is I just tried to represent what's being said out there on internet land of people who don't believe the Bible. They have an axe to grind against the Bible. They're like, yeah, I, I don't think the Bible's good. And here's a, an example right here. And they say, this is just wrong. So what I want to do is I want to examine what many people think, represented by what you see on the screen, compare that with the actual Word of God. So let's look at it. Some dude. Okay, is this some dude? Well, it's Elisha the prophet. All right, what is a prophet? A prophet is a person who speaks for God. God can speak from the heavens, and he has done that such that everyone can hear. Just a voice booming down. But he has chosen to use people. They're called prophets. God says, I have a message I want to convey to humanity. I'm going to use these people known as prophets to do it. So they are people who are appointed by God that have God-given authority there's that word, to communicate exactly what God wants communicated. So this isn't some dude. This is a very important person. This is a man of God, okay, with a job to do given to him by the Lord Most High, okay? So it's not some dude. So some dude can't take the fact that a few fun-loving little kids... Let's explore that. The text says, Elisha the prophet went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going up on the way, some small boys. That's what it says. Some. How many is some? Go ahead, you can answer. How many? I'll let you think. Somebody said a lot. I like that answer. Because you might say 42. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. I think it's at least 42. Again, look at the text a little closer. Go down towards the end of verse 24. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. Sounds like there was more. You know, some commentators say, ah, it was 100, could have been 120 kids. Like, I don't know where you're getting that from. I mean, this is all we got to work with. Uh, I think they're pulling that out of thin air. But people were like, yeah, it was, but it, it was at least 42. Let's just say there was 50. Okay, let's say eight got away without being tore. And so there was 50 small boys. Okay, small boys. Very vague, right? Are these toddlers, four or five-year-olds maybe? Are they third, fourth graders? You know, how are we defining small boys here? Well, the issue here is in the Hebrew, which is 2 Kings written in Hebrew, the term there, it's actually a couple terms that gets translated small boys, is very broad, very broad ranging. It's, it covers everything from an infant all the way to, to someone who's 30 or, or older. Now, we don't think this was infants, okay? And, you know, it could have been 20-somethings, but it's probably teenagers, all right, so examine the scene here. You got a single man named Elisha on the road. He's approached. There, there's a, there's a, I'll use the word gang. There's a gang of 50 teenagers. Let's say they're 17, and they're directing a comment to him. Go up, you bald head. They're, they're coming at him, okay? This is a dangerous situation. 
This is. If we took the toughest guy in this room, Blaine, I'm going to pick on you, Blaine, all right? Blaine, Blaine is a tough guy. I wouldn't mess with Blaine, all right? If Blaine, and he works with our youth, so like he, he's got some skill, should in this, have some skill in this area. If he's walking around the, the road and he's approached by, again, 50, 17-year-olds who got a little something against Blaine because where they're from and he's a man of God, Blaine's in trouble, do you agree? Seven, the 50, 17-year-olds could mess you up pretty good, right? And Blaine's tough. So I want us to get an accurate picture of what's going on. It's not, you know, five, seven-year-olds, okay? That's not what's going on here in the text. I don't believe so. So some small boys came out of the city. What city? It's right there on the screen. Yeah, come on, we can do this. how we do in children's ministry, a little interaction. They came from Bethel, all right? Small boys from Bethel. What do we know about Bethel? At that time, a city of idolatry and immorality, all right? Not, not a great scene, a lot of bad stuff going down in Bethel. Idolatry, the worship of false gods or idols, Right? There's a one true and living God who says, yeah, you should devote your worship, your affection to me. Instead, you're worshiping statues and cows and things like that that are not the true and living God. Very offensive to the Lord who has given them life and everything that they have. And then immorality, let's just say sinful, takes various shapes and forms. That's where these boys are from. So some small boys came out of the city uh, some, some do. So let's go back to, that. this is the issue. Again, we're kind of comparing what people say about the Word of God with the Word of God. Some dude can't take the fact that a few fun-loving little kids poke fun at his bald head. Is that what's happening? What do they say? Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. Well, I think there's three things going on there. One, very clearly, that is an insult. They're, they're insulting him. I mean, we don't have to labor the point. Number two, it's a challenge. I will explore that in a second. And number three, I think it's a threat. All right? So insult, back in the day, lepers would shave their heads. Uh, they, they were not uh, looked highly upon. You know, a leper was an outcast. They see Elisha as a detestable, something just, just not a pleasant person uh, as some kind of outcast. So there's no question. They're mocking, they're ridiculing, they are insulting Elisha. But I think that's not all they're doing. Number two, I say that they are uh, issuing a challenge. What do I mean by that? Well, they say, go up, you bald head. I think it's a sarcastic reference to Elijah. Now you got Elisha, two different people, Elisha and Elijah. They were together. Elijah, something amazing happened to Elijah, and Elisha carried the torch. He kept things going. So what happened to Elijah? It's right in that chapter, 2 Kings chapter 2. We just have to go back a few verses. Verse 11, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. That's Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah went up to heaven. I think that's what their reference there is. Go up, you bald head. Why do I say it's a challenge? Basically, they're saying, if you're really a prophet, why don't you just do what happened to Elijah? They're challenging his prophetic office. 
I think that's entirely possible that that's happening. So it's a challenge. But not only that, I think it's a threat. I do think it's a threat. Elijah left the earth. He was gone. It's as if he died. He was taken up in a whirlwind. Amazing scene. But they're basically saying, we prefer that you were dead. Don't come to our city. Don't come preaching about you know, the one true God. We're idolaters. We got our God. We love our sin. We don't want to hear from you. We prefer you were gone from this planet. Go up like your, other, your buddy there, Elijah. And if you are a prophet, there's the challenge. But they're basically saying, yeah, we prefer you weren't around, that you were dead, and we can help you with that. I mean, I think this is entirely possible. Again, I want us to get a picture. We're kind of diving in. You know, we're speculating a little bit, but it's not this, you know, just, you know, scene that some people make it out to be. But we're not done yet. So they're not really poking fun. There's, there's more going on than some, you know, poking fun at his bald head. Therefore, he curses at them. Does he curse at them? Look at the text. He turned around, and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Elisha didn't swear at them. Now, I included this because some people say that. You know, he, he, he sinned. He blasphemed. He used a bad word directed at these little kids, these five-year-olds or ten-year-olds. No, that's not what happened. In the struggle here is the word curse, right? I mean, kids, you hear, you know, don't curse say a bad word. Well, cursing here, God curses in the Bible. He says to, to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. God curses. Jesus cursed. He cursed a fig tree. So it's, some of this is just the language that we're, that we're having to deal with. But he didn't, he didn't swear at them. Some people will say that. He didn't. And God sends out two bears. What about that? How does that compare to the text? Dead on. Absolutely. God sent out those bears. We don't know that Elisha, that was his wording to the Lord. He may not have had this in mind, but God says, no, 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 I'm going to vindicate or validate, maybe better said, this guy, Elisha, he's my guy, and you're kind of challenging him. You're coming up against him. Nope, that's my dude. I got work for him to do, to be my mouthpiece, to communicate what I want to have communicated to people. Therefore, I'm going to protect him. I'm sending the bears out to these kids. So God does send out the two bears. He has full control over the animal kingdom. He sends out snakes at times. He appoints great fish to swallow other prophets, you know, to preserve them, you know, Two birds don't fall from the sky without his knowledge. God is in full control of all the affairs of this world, including the animal kingdom. So these bears, this wasn't happenstance, and it wasn't Elisha necessarily who had this in mind. We don't know. God did this. So they're right in that regard. Then God sends out two bears who kill these little children by ripping them to pieces. Now, I wrote that intentionally graphic you know, it's supposed to elicit a response because this is how it goes when people debate and argue. Uh, your Bible is filled with all kinds of wicked stuff. This is how they put it. Again, let's look at the Word of God. Two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. That's all it says. That, that, that's all we got. People take the word tore and they say, yeah, they killed the little children by ripping them to pieces. Really? 
I, are you not reading into the text a little bit there? It just says tore. So the question then might be, how many of the boys died? Let me ask you, how many of the boys died? Love it. Don't know. Exactly right. We don't know. Zero. Could have been zero. Could have been 42. We don't know. But see how we're carefully examining it? I could be one of those boys. I see these bears. I start running. I mean, all I got to do is outrun the other Bethel kid, though, right? Because, you know. But say a bear gets a hold of my leg. And he starts tearing into my leg, but then he sees another kid's got a little more meat on his bones maybe, and he's like, ooh, I, I like that one. And he goes over and gets that bear. I hobble off, go home, bandage my leg, survive, live another 50, 60 years, right? The point, I mean, that's not exactly a pleasant scene that of the bear tearing into somebody, that, but my point is we assume that they died. We don't know that. We, don't, we, we just want to be careful with the text of Scripture here. So part of the struggle here is that Hebrew word there that gets translated as tor is baka. I believe I'm saying that right. Baka means to tear, rip, or break open. I've had things, not to get too graphic, but I've had things break open on my body, yet here I am okay? I didn't die, all right? Things happen. I've, I've been attacked by animals before. We could use the word I got tore into. I'm still here, okay? So we're just trying to be very careful with examining what people say in light of what the scriptures actually say. So I don't think that this is an accurate representation of the text, I do think it is a judgment text that's maybe not pleasant. You know, judgment is, you know, these bears coming out in judgment, sure, absolutely, that is what's going on. And we read that all throughout our Bibles. So it's not something, ooh, this is my life first, it's warm and fuzzy, the bears attacking children or small boys or whatever. You know, hey, it's, it's a tough text. But what's the application? Can we apply this here? Yeah, I think the first thing is quite obvious. Be a student of the Bible. Be, be a student of the Bible because when you go out to Harrisburg on a missions trip and you start talking to people about Jesus and they're like, where are you getting your information about Jesus? Oh, well, right here in uh, this epistle or in the gospel or whatever. Oh, the Bible. Oh, why don't you turn in your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 2 and let me show you just how wicked your Bible is, right? This is what happens. This is increasing in measure in our society. We need to be prepared to give a defense for that which is the hope within us. We trust in Jesus based upon what's recorded in the Word of God. You're not going to always have the answers, but we're getting equipped here today. Hopefully, if somebody brings this up and they say some of the rhetoric that I've shared with you, you got some ammunition. So you can say, no, no, I, my hope is in Jesus as revealed in the scriptures, and I'm going to give you an answer to your question. I'm going to defend what I believe in gentleness and respect. Okay, this is something we are called to do. Yes, be reading your Bible. We talk a lot about reading the Bible. Are you studying it? I'll tell you, there's things I read. I read through it. I didn't give it much thought. I didn't pour into it. Wait, I need to stop and study this and dig deeper and then apply it. So that's the first thing. Be encouraged that God protects his people. God protected Elisha here. He did. Now, does that mean that no prophet has ever been murdered? Nope, that has happened. That is, that we know that because the Bible tells us that that has happened. But in this instance, 
Elisha, who went on to live another 50 years, was because God said, I got more work for him to do. Some kids aren't going to take him out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a statement by sending out those bears. And Elisha, we think is an old man here because of the bald head. Most commentators think he's just a little bit older than, than these small boys. He's, he lives another 50 years. So God, in this case, he protected his prophet. And so we should be encouraged by that. And anybody who does get killed doesn't happen apart from the sovereign will of the Lord. He allowed that to happen. Again, everything either comes from his hand or it passes through his hand. He's not, oh, I just didn't have the ability to, to stop that or to have any say in that. It's just people doing what people do. Uh-uh, that's not the God of Scripture. Lastly, be warned. This is definitely a warning. And this thing didn't happen in a vacuum. God warned people back then. He did. Leviticus. They had Leviticus where God says, then if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me like some bad kids from Bethel, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins. Again, not a great positive yay verse. And I will let loose the wild beasts against you. God tells you what he's going to do which shall bereave you of your children and destroy your livestock and make you few in number so that your roads shall be deserted. God issues warnings. And I think we have a warning today from Jesus. Jesus warns us today. Matthew, at the very end, Jesus came up, spoke to them saying, all authority, a greater prophet is here. Jesus is a prophet He's a prophet, and he says, all authority, all of it in heaven and earth has been given to me, and I got something to tell you. And earlier in that gospel, what did he say? In Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, he said this, the prophet Jesus, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And he goes on to say, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So like I said, in 2 Kings, that, that's judgment. That was judgment for those boys from Bethel. And there's, a, there's another judgment coming. Jesus makes reference to it here. That's, that's what's in view with the rain and the floods and the winds beating against the house. Judgment is coming. Where's your house? What's it built on? The solid rock of Jesus Christ as a bedrock, the foundation there where you build your house upon him and what he has said? Or are you building it on the sand because you've rejected what he has said? You're like a bad kid from Bethel. What are you building upon? That's what he's actually saying here. And if you're building your house on the rock, you'll be able to uh, be sustained when judgment day comes. Let's pray. Lord, this is a challenging passage of Scripture. Uh, Lord, we are called to teach the, the whole counsel of God, that we are to not neglect portions of scripture because, ooh, you know, there's kids here and it's bears tearing into people. Well, you know, if we're encouraging our kids to read the Bible, they're going to read 2 Kings. So I'd rather we, we kind of address it, that we talk about it. Uh, I pray that that, that, that was um, 
faithful to the, to the actual text there that, that I'm rightly understanding and interpreting and conveying it to your people. Lord, this is a, a sobering task to be able to share your word. Um, but let it challenge us today. Let it challenge us to be students of your word, to dig deep, to be ready to provide an answer uh, for those who ask us about the hope that is in us. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And Lord, thank you for protecting Elisha, that he would go on to do many great things in your name, that he would communicate your message. Uh, we thank you for your sovereign hand of protection. And Lord, we, uh, we heed the warning. We heed the warning that this text is really like every other text, is to build our foundation on the Lord Jesus Christ, the solid rock on which we stand. All other stand it's all sinking sand and we will be washed away when judgment day comes so let us be sober-minded as we consider what's been shared here today and uh, be with your people this week lord uh, let us worship you one last time here with this song and we uh, ask all this in jesus good name amen if you would please stand <clears throat> we're going to sing one more song <clears throat>